I think that the experience of how you experience a place is is wildly determined by uh, by the people you meet there. And okay. nice, friendly people can be anywhere. You know? So, I mean, imagine even it's it's easy if, if you're in a big city. You know, like how uh, how different can people perceive their experience in a big city? Let's say like New York or whatever. For some people, it's absolute paradise, and for some people, it's it's uh, hell on earth. You know, it could be anything. You know? But they, they were on the same streets, so so the experience of a place was always only the people there. It was never like the the scene I was in. You know, so so, and I, I think that's important, and that that really taught me, I think, to keep an open mind towards every person I would run into because they would shape the they would shape my 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 trip and my experience, and not so much the the surroundings. Welcome to the Driving Force podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst, now exploring human performance through podcasting, coaching, jujitsu, and endurance athletics. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is Christian Grogart. Christian is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, author, and founder of BJJ Globetrotters. BJJ Globetrotters is the world's largest BJJ affiliation, of which I'm a member, with over 750 academies and over 21,000 members on the community's Facebook page. The BJJ Globetrotters five to seven day long training camps have become some of the most sought after fixtures on the jiu-jitsu calendar. They're hosted everywhere from the Austrian Alps to the Arizona desert and the tropical island of St. Bart's. The mission of the community is simple, to continue spreading the message of a non-political, open-minded and positive approach to training and life. Christian is originally from Denmark, but currently lives in St. Bart's in the Caribbean. He started grappling in 1999 and in 2010 took an around-the-world trip to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in as many places as possible. It took him to 56 academies around the globe in 140 days. It was this life-changing experience that led him to writing a book about the trip and eventually starting BJJ Globetrotters. In this interview, we get into Christian's martial arts background, the early days of Jiu-Jitsu in Europe, his around-the-world trip, and all things BJJ Globetrotters. And so, without further ado, my interview with Christian Grogart. Christian, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So let's start this off at the beginning here. You grew up in Denmark, is that right? That is correct. Just outside of Copenhagen. Okay. And what was it like to like grow up in Denmark? Like maybe like describe the culture there for people who aren't that familiar with the country. Um. Yeah, I don't have much to compare with, but I would say it's kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> kind of normal. <laughs> It was, I don't know, safe, uh, quiet, you know, mm-hmm. I, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, um, not really anything to worry about as a kid. That, that was kind of nice, you know? Yeah, nothing too it's, crazy it's a, out of the ordinary. <laughs> no, no, it's a very, yeah, I don't know, I don't even know where you live or where the listeners live, but um, I guess everything is relative, but it was a very safe, easy, quiet childhood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Denmark is a small country and it works really well, pretty much. Like, so nothing can really go wrong. You know, like nature can't kill you. Society can't kill you. <laughs> I mean, it's not dangerous. It's just like, you could just live your life and not worry about shit. That's, that's a good, that's a good part about that place. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did, uh, so what did your parents do for work? Uh, my dad was uh, an electrician, uh, and my mom worked in like a kind of an an office job, doing all sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. And how old were you when you first started martial arts? Like, and did any other any, any other members of your family also do martial arts? Um. Yeah. So my my dad had been doing that like since the seventy early seventies. So I don't even know, like forever. And then uh, I started Taekwondo with him when I was like um, seven or something. Yeah, so around there I started doing that, just kicking holes in the air. 
It was fun. Kick, I liked kick, it. <laughs> kicking holes in the air. All right. Yeah, I was good at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? So Taekwondo was the first martial art that you started? Yeah, yeah. I did that for like ten years or something, uh, and then I I had a break when I was a teenager, and I discovered like alcohol and stuff like that. <laughs> more fun more fun to hang out with my friends for a while i think most people take a break when they're in their teens and you know high school and all that stuff so yeah i had a little break there and then uh i i was just getting bored i wanted to do some kind of sports i was just playing football with my with my brother and and um yeah so that's when i found like uh, uh i found this uh jeet kundo bruce lee pretend mma self-defense kind of thing and uh mm-hmm. i just realized that you could also grab each other that was a very like that was something like a brand new experience for me because i'd never even you know like held on to anyone in in training for 10 years and i was just hooked you know just hold on to someone's head and squeeze and i was like i want this <laughs> so, i've been squeezing heads ever since <laughs> that's awesome and so when you're doing ta- taekwondo were you like was like you said, was there, it was like no contact involved. Yeah, I did a little bit of, uh, I did a few like uh, competitions, you know, where you actually kicked each other, but I never liked it. You know, I, some, some kid kicked me in the, he was like a older than me and kicked me right in the stomach and I couldn't breathe. And I was like, why am I doing this? This is not fun. I was just crying and crying. I was like, screw this. So I did, I, I, I did more competitions in um, like uh, uh, forms competitions. Yeah, it's kind of silly thinking back to it, but I mean, uh, uh, it was it was pretty cool. I, mean, I did really well, and and it was just for in terms of learning how to concentrate and really practice something, and then deal with the nerves and compete and stuff. Uh, I think that was super super helpful for me. So I'm really glad I did that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and um, so was Bruce Lee a big influence for you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. At a certain age, for sure. Back when, before you, before you, you start realizing that he was just an actor, you know, that, right. <laughs> then that never actually fought anyone. Uh, <laughs> then he was, you know. So, but yeah, for sure back then. But I think as as kind of sports fighting, like MMA, became more like uh, I was more exposed to that. I realized, oh, okay, I mean the people you should really respect are the other ones who step in the ring you know, all the time again and again. So, so those became the, they became the, like the inspiration instead. Right. And um, so were there, I'm guessing back then there probably weren't that many jujitsu gyms like in Denmark or probably even in Europe around that time. Uh, no, there was not really anything in Denmark. There was actually nothing at all. Um, so we just we just managed to get some we we heard about the ufc you know like somebody had talked about it that can't be right you can't just put two people (laughs) in a cage and fight like come on that's insane you know and i remember someone like my 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 coach back then my jeet kundo coach he was like yeah we're gonna start doing this this brazilian thing uh and and the way he described it was like do you remember in blood sport you know that that guy who did the jungle like the monkey style he just jumped onto people and choked them out and like held on to them that that's that's it that's it that's what we're gonna do and I'm like, oh yeah yeah i remember plus about that guy and, yeah. guy, and uh that was my that was the first thing i heard about like brazilians wrestling i was like come on brazilians wrestling that can't be right but we got we managed to get our hands on some uh, some vhs tapes online and okay. um and uh we had like a big tv and a vhs player and like a kind of a rolling table with wheels on them and we just rolled that near the mats and watched like uh, some videos and, and tried to learn stuff. That was right. pretty much it. I, there were a few people, in, I don't know about the rest of Europe. I know in Sweden, uh, some people already started traveling to uh, to Brazil at that time and and and, um, and took it back home and, and they were they were far ahead of the game. Um, some other groups in Copenhagen around that time started to, to kind of um, connect with these Swedish people, but we were just kind of doing our own head squeezing. So, <laughs> Right. Right. So I'm guessing it probably wasn't too technical of jujitsu that you guys were doing in the Jeet Kune, Jeet Kune Do gym. No, no, no. That's, that's what, that's all the, the cauliflower years that I have right now is just from back then. <laughs> just from, <laughs> just from us squeezing each other's heads and not, not wanting to give up. So, 
Yeah, so that was it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So walk me through like your path from beginning, like the beginning grappling and like seeing it for the first time to taking the trip and the around the world trip in 2010. Like what were you doing during those years in between? Um, <clears throat> I, um, yeah, what on earth was I doing? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, we, we, we just really, I just really enjoyed grappling and, uh, just training in general and there's a nice social aspect to it. And, uh, we just kept training and then there was no competition. So we, there's really nothing to travel to as far as I, I knew, or at least back then. Um, so I started hosting some competitions. The first was just, uh, like, uh, inter gym thing, you know, like, uh, just us pretty much you know, competing against each other. Yeah. And um, that was the first thing we did. And then I started hosting some other competitions in, I, I mean, I built this this website kind of way before social media, which was like a, a social media for the Danish martial arts community. And, um, and that kind of sparked some grappling competitions that we held around the country. So the ball just kind of started rolling and more people competed in these competitions and, and the community started to grow and, and more people started training and more, more academies popped up. And, and then, you know, with time I had this, um, I had this, this office job as a, as a programmer. And, um, in 2003, I opened okay. an, my own academy. Um, oh, well, it was just like one, I randomly met this one guy, uh, who trained on the national judo team. And he said like, we should do something like he wanted to do like MMA and stuff. And, and um, we could rent the mats from the judo team in the evening. So we started doing that. And we had like really, really nice mats to train on, like super high quality stuff. Um, so we did that. And that kind of turned into my academy in a sense. You know, uh, we were just like five, 10 guys who were rolling there. But then more and more people came in. And, and, um, and that, in, a few years later, I managed to quit my job and just to move to that gym full time. Um, and that grew like really fast. And people were really excited about like MMA and jujitsu and, and all this stuff, like all the, the new, the new training methods and yep. uh, the academy just grew. And, and literally all I did was just like, I just, I just slept a lot. <laughs> people always like teasing me with how much I was sleeping, but I slept until 10 AM every day. And then I went to the gym and then I, I was there until like 11 in the evening, just, just training pretty much and just trained every single day. Um, after the week I didn't, I think I only had Sundays off where I didn't go. Um, that's pretty much all I did, like nonstop for just being in the gym 10 hours just a day. Just Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else really. And we had like five, six hour open mats every Friday or Saturday and just roll and watch videos. And that's literally all I did. And like, and just made a little money off the gym to, to pay rent and, and food. And, and then we went out in the weekends. We either went out or competed in the weekends. That was pretty much it. So that's, that's all I did for at least 10 years was just train every day and in the weekends it was either get drunk or compete <laughs> that was it <laughs> and uh, and uh every year i tried to do a trip like a few weeks go somewhere to train uh the us or asia or something and find find a place to go and get some inspiration and and um yeah and i just kept doing that every single year that was that was literally all i did like host competitions compete travel to competitions and uh, a lot of a lot of social stuff and, and and doing a lot of social stuff and and events with the with the academy like parties and whatever not and um and after some time i i thought okay i'm gonna find somewhere to go to train as i usually do and and i was thinking I'd, i've been going to the u.s quite a lot like every year i went there for like a month or something to train around the u.s and, and I, I thought i wanted to try something new so I, I made a list of where i wanted to go and I thought maybe I'll go somewhere like completely new, you know, like just try something new. Um, just like, just like going to the U S was so like new and exciting for me in the beginning. Yeah. And then I really feel like, Oh, I stepped out of my comfort zone. That's amazing feeling. But then that becomes your new comfort zone. You know, like you step out of one comfort zone, but then you just keep doing that, you know, like, like people going to the same holiday every single year in the same hotel, you know, the, the bar, the, the bar staff know exactly who they are every single year. And they have the same chair by the, by the pool and stuff. And, and that just became me, you know, it's, it's so easy to fall into that kind of trap. So I thought, okay, I got to break out of this. I've been going to, I think I've been going to New York like every summer for six, seven years or something. 
Um, so I wanted to do something new. I had a list and I looked at a map and I was like, that's five places I could actually go, just maybe go all the way around the world at that point. Um, and um, so that's what I decided to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to go around the world for like five places, five months, train one month each and come home with some inspiration from my guys and my team. And, and uh, I thought, well, if, and then someone said, Hey, if you're going that way, you might as well come visit me. And more people started saying that. And they're like, okay, maybe I'll just, I'll make a public post back on the, on the forums. This was before Facebook kind of, uh, and I just posted like, um, I'm going to travel all the way around the world East from Europe. And if anyone is uh, anywhere in the world want to invite me to uh, come by, I will teach for free. If you have a couch, I can sleep on. Hmm. And, uh, and I got like, 200 emails from people like just crazy 200 wow. emails in one day like yeah come visit me please and this is you know i was like a brown belt back then and that was like already now there are many 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 places in the world where they don't have anywhere near brown belt level to roll with but back then this is 10 years ago even more you know like that was like god level of knowledge you know <laughs> so um um i mean even if they have many places even if they had like a blue belt or a purple competitor coming in they would be super super excited you know and i still today that, that's still the case so um so i got a lot of invitations and i thought okay well, i just started plotting that in on uh like google earth uh, and um and i just started making oh this is going to be an interesting route and i'm might as well do as many as many kind of destinations as possible you know so um so that's what i did and the trip ended up being wildly um exhausting but also interesting and life-changing yeah yeah that's awesome and so was it a little after that time that you started to like train like i guess pure jujitsu if that makes sense yeah yeah i guess so i mean i mean the style is is evolving all the time and jujitsu can be many things but yeah i mean we well we had a schedule and then it said jujitsu so i guess okay that's jujitsu i was I was a blue belt or something at that time when I opened the gym. So yeah, I, I think I, I just did no gi for the first four years or something until some judo guy just literally drowned me in his side control. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, this is horrible. I have to learn that. So yeah, so I guess, I guess that was jujitsu. We, we never had an instructor or anything like anyone, like any expert teaching us. It was all just trial and error um, and competing a lot. You know? That was pretty much it. That's how we learned it. So, oh, interesting. Okay. And this is how it has happened many, many places in the world. You know, it's like it's not rocket science. You know, and especially now, you jujitsu technique is so available that everyone can pretty much learn it if they have some, if they, you know, if they put in the time and effort and they have a few training partners. Right. Yeah. With all the the DVDs coming out. And yeah, yeah. YouTube and all of that. Yeah. Back then, you had to travel to the Amazon. You know, like. <laughs> something like that right right and did you did you enjoy running the gym yeah yeah i i didn't have to work you know i just had to train every day that was pretty good so i, I feel like that was when i 2003 was when i retired and i've been uh, <laughs> retired ever since living the dream yeah kind of yeah kind of <laughs> yeah Okay. And so um, you, you take the trip, the around the world, you know, jujitsu trip. Um, how long were you like planning before taking the trip? You mean how much of the trip I had planned on beforehand or? Yeah. Like how long was like the planning process was it like two weeks and then no, went off. Or... No, no, I think it was at least six months or something. Oh, you had been planning for a while. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember, but uh, it was something like that six months or. It was quite a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess I guess I could look at the bjjglobetrotter.com because I, I I wrote I I posted like a blog about this trip, so um, so I guess I guess I could look through this uh, archives. March twenty ten. Okay, so I did plan. The first post was March twenty ten, and it says where to go, where to go? Question uh, mark. So that was literally the first one I did, and then I left. When did I leave? February, February 2011. Oh, so it's almost a year of planning, actually. Wow. That's quite a while. Quite a while. That's quite, quite a lot. <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah. But 
but you know back then there was nothing you know to help me out in a sense i had to i had to do everything myself um and obviously this turned into like i had such a good experience i thought well i need to to share this with others and i wish others could have the same experience so that turned into the pga globe charts which is now pretty much a, a, like an enormous network of just tools to make it easier for people to travel with jujitsu so um, so I think if I should do it today, I would literally just, it would take me like a week or two to plan the entire. Right. Thing, no problem. Yeah. With yeah. the tools I have today. So. Right. Do you remember how much the entire trip cost? I don't remember, but it was really not much, like almost nothing, maybe $15,000 or something mm-hmm. for five, six months nonstop. Yeah. Uh, I I literally just paid for uh, flights and food. That was it, you know. And then I just slept on people's couches, and people took me out quite a lot. You know, like to eat or you know to go out, and I mean, I just lived on a, like a, a like a shoestring budget. So yeah, it was really really not expensive at all. I mean, it would be way more expensive to stay at home for sure. To stay home, pay rent, and like, oh my god, that would be super expensive. Yeah, compared to that, so it's way way cheaper to be on the road for sure. <laughs> right, right. And uh, do you remember, or how many countries did you visit? On my blog right now, so I think there's some statistics. Hey, look at this. I like numbers. Uh, countries: uh, twenty-four countries, forty-three cities, fifty-six academies, thirty-five flights. 140 days. So. Yeah. Wow. That's a good yeah, that, was, that was quite, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty intense, but it was, it was great. You know, it was like one of the best projects I ever did. I did a lot of projects, so that's up there for sure. Yeah. And do you, do you have a favorite place that you visited? No, yeah, well, as, as everybody asked me the same, I was, the favorite place is planet Earth. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, I think that the experience of how, how you experience a place is is wildly determined by uh, by the people you meet there. Yeah? And okay. nice, friendly people can be anywhere. You know? So, I mean, imagine even it's it's easy if, if you're in a big city, you know, like. How uh, how different can people perceive their experience in a big city, let's say like New York or whatever? I mean, for some people, it's absolute paradise, and for some people, it's it's uh, hell on earth. You know, it could be anything. You know? But they were on the same streets, so um, so the experience of a place was always always only the people there. It was never like the the scene I was in. You know, so so and I, I think that's important, and that that really taught me, I think, to keep an open mind towards every person I would run into because they would shape the, they would shape my, my, my trip and my experience and not so much the, the surroundings. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Any, any interesting or crazy stories from, from that trip? Oh, honestly, man, it's been so long. It's almost like <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not, um, see, I'm not selling the book because it's free, but I, I recommend people could read. I, I wrote, I managed to write a book, write a book about it, okay. about the trip, and yep. uh, which was another like wild project. And, and uh, I hope I'm never writing a book again because that was a, that was a horrible, horrible thing to do. So much work. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, yeah, but I, I did write a book about the trip, which I, I, I think was a, was a really good, good uh, project. And, um, and uh, yeah, and that has all the stories. You know, I, I probably forgot most of it, to be honest. So it, the, the whole thing was, was the best story. You know, the whole trip was by far the best story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no worries. So if you're listening, pick up the book. If you want to get the yeah, get you the can stores. just go to uh, bjjglobechartercom slash free book and you can download it for free if you want. Yeah. It's also on Amazon, but then you have to pay for it. Pay Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what are your biggest takeaways from that whole experience? I think 
by far the most interesting thing for me was that I went so many places that I knew nothing about. Like absolutely had no clue about the place. Never heard the name before. Uh, even went to countries I hadn't heard about before. And I'm like a big like uh, geography geek. I, I love maps and stuff. But I, I went to so many places that I never heard about before and I knew nothing about. And every single place I could just walk into a jiu-jitsu academy, like um, just... I usually just email them before and say, Hey, I just found a, a cheap flight to this, to your random place that I know nothing about. Um, can I come by tomorrow and, um, and join your class? Or if you want, I'll be happy to teach for free or whatever. Um, and, uh, every single time, no exception, it worked. I just walked in there and I met some people that would become like really good friends or shape my, my experience on my trip, or, you know, they invite me to somewhere else or give me some tips or every single place. And it was literally every single person I ran into on, on the whole trip that, that put, had the potential to shape everything for me, you know, like it could be the trip, but even, even, you know, you know, in a weird sense, kind of influenced my life in, in a long, very long term. And many of these people are still my friends today and I still see them or hang out with them or, they come to the to the camps we host, or, um, and and so so really the the mind blowing part was that there is so much adventure and so many friendships and and so many experiences like right there. It's just you just have to go and pick it up, and there's nothing more to it. Just walk there, and it's right there for you. You know, it's like uh, experiences that I, I would never have had otherwise, and the stories I could tell, or um, people I met who would who would be my friends for forever. So. So I, that, that was that was really mind blowing for me to see how many, how many experiences and and people I could I could kind of run into on on a trip like that. Um, and I think it one thing it definitely did for me was like always try to I always try to um, treat every single person you know as a potential next best friend. That's been that's been kind of key for everything to work for me. When I did that on a trip, the whole world kind of just opened up for me, you know, because you never know who you who you run into who could who could change everything for you or become a, a good friend or something so so that's what i really tried to do as much as possible when i was on the road and also when i came back home you know? yeah that's that's great and so what happens when you return from the trip like do you just go back to running your gym like do you start writing the book yeah uh, well yeah i started writing the book obviously but it was very difficult, you know, it was, that, was, that was the most difficult part going home because I think I'll, I'll speak for everyone who's been on a long trip, like, I don't know, backpacking or traveling for a long time or something. It's always kind of weird when you come home and you realize that nothing changed, you know, you feel like you've changed so much and so much has happened and a lifetime has passed and you come home and it's like, oh, same thing, <laughs> same people stand in line in the supermarket, you know, like nothing changed at all, you know. And uh, that's depressing. Like, it's really hard to deal with, I think. Yeah. Um, because I was literally high on life coming home, you know, like just on a constant bus of, of uh, it's almost like being on drugs nonstop. I never took drugs, but I can imagine that's how it is, you know, like a constant high of excitement and, and like uh, happiness, you know, from, from, from just this like, non-stop flow of, of friends and experiences and adventures and things happening and then you come home and you're like damn now i'm in line in the supermarket and it's raining and it's cold you know that's really difficult to deal with actually um mm -hmm. and i literally just kept traveling after i came home you know we did competition trips like almost every single weekend or at least at least twice a month or something we went somewhere away i kind of had to keep moving i had to keep the afterburner going and i was still uh like nonstop going out or competing just had to move, 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 move. I couldn't just stop yep. from one day to the other. Um, and that was great. It was, it was almost like the trip continued after I got home for at least another year or something, <laughs> but it was also difficult to deal with. It was, I mean, it, it was definitely like mentally challenging. And, and I mean, it was, I, I could, I could totally tell some people could fall into some sort of depression from that, from going from such an adventure to, to nothing, you know, and you feel like you cannot, you're wasting your time. You feel like you're just wasting your time every day if you're not doing stuff. So, um, yeah, so, you know, 
I came home, I hit the ground running, and I've pretty much been running ever since. You know? Never stopped. Can't miss anything. Hot coffee of missing out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends who, who studied abroad in college and you know, when they, when they come back home, it's like, they have this like mini sort of state of almost depression. So it's, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. yeah, it's yeah. really difficult to deal with. Yeah. And so how soon after your trip does the idea come to start, um, uh, BJJ Globetrotters? Um, I mean, it was, it's always like one project leads to the other, leads to the other, and then something big happens, but, um, I mean, I had this project when I came home, um, bjjglobetrotting.com. I thought I would make a, uh, I thought I would make this website where uh, people could kind of sign up and could invite each other to go train somewhere. Yeah, pretty much all I did on the trip, but but try to collect that somewhere because I, I'd already been building for more than ten years this very successful um, martial arts that DK uh, like a community for for martial arts in Denmark. And I thought I'll do something. This was before social media. So uh, the idea made sense you know, back then, but it doesn't really now that much. And, and it didn't really take off. It didn't kind of work out, but, but then I thought, okay, then I'll do like a couch surfing service for jujitsu, you know, just like if someone wants to host someone, they can, they can post it. And that didn't work out either. And then, um, and then at some point we we're going to the Europeans in Portugal, and I had to register our, our academy, uh, CSA, and I couldn't use that name because some other academy in the US had the same name or whatever. Um, so we said, okay, let's just use BJJ Globetrotters because that was kind of the name of my block anyway. Um, and we were 15 people going and we're all, every year we went to the Europeans with a big team and, and I thought, okay, um, someone said we should make some patches, you know, something like t-shirts for the team, you know, the BJJ Globetrotters team. Um, had that, oh, sure. And then I drew up that, that, the logo, which was with the bus. It's kind of a fun, silly jiu-jitsu logo. Um, and then someone else said, hey, that looks cool. Can I, can I have a patch? And I made a few extras and, and some people, other people, some of my friends from the trip said like, hey, I, I, can't, uh, I can't sign up with the IBJJF. It's like complicated uh because you need signatures from blah 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 uh so i said yeah sure i just sign up with globetrotters i mean you know i don't care and there's people i trained with on the trip and and met there and kind of became my friends and they were involved in the the block or whatever um and then suddenly we had a bunch of people sign up with globetrotters at the at the competition and and um and also when i when i did that trip everywhere i went i always invited people to come visit me in copenhagen at any time and it kind of backfired because everybody actually did come to visit me. So I was like nonstop tour guide in Copenhagen. <laughs> and I was, it was just exhausting. Like every week I had new people coming in, like nonstop coming in. And I thought, why don't you all come in the same, in the same week? So we can, you know, I can do less tour guiding, <laughs> walk around right. the, same, the same route around town. Uh, less And uh, 25 people or so came in in the same week. And we had like a, what? was kind of like a training camp. We just trained a lot. We just did everything we do on a regular day, which is mm. training, going out to eat, going out to drink and repeat. That was pretty much all we did. And um, that was super fun. And then next time other people came, more people came and, and then the, the snowball just kind of started rolling. And I thought, I'll call that BJJ Globetrotters camp. And um, yeah. And then like now we're, we did 56 camps, uh, well, when there's not a pandemic, we have around fifteen to eighteen hundred people a year doing the the camps all over the world. So, yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. Strangely yeah. enough, huh? yeah, that's awesome. And so, what is BJJ Globetrotters today? Like, maybe provide a brief overview um, for people listening. It's a good question because it kind of lifts a life on, on its own. Uh, it's a lot of things, you know, it, and it all came just from that, like at the beginning I just described it's, it's, we do host a lot of training camps, which is literally just, you know, me, as I said, hit the ground running, coming home from that trip and then just keep going because I need to constantly come up with some adventure for myself. And then I just invite other people to, to come along. Um, so we do a lot of training camps, um, in all sorts of weird places around the world. Uh, anything from 20 people to 300 people. Um, of course, right now it's a little bit complicated. Um, 
it's also like a, an affiliation person as such, like, I don't know, jiu-jitsu affiliation, but that's, yep. that's kind of as a strange to define already, but, but depending on how you define it, I think we're the biggest in the world with 750, 60, 70 academies or something. Um, and it's literally just a community of academies. Um, and there's no really requirements to, to join and just no, it doesn't cost anything, but you have to uh, commit to letting anyone, any travelers uh, come and visit you and, and travel for free there for, uh, sorry, train for free there for like a week or something. Uh, so it's part of a travel network of jiu-jitsu academies around the world. Um, and it's a bunch of other things. We have a, we, we have a little, uh, we produce like some lightweight travel geese and we, uh, uh, we just filmed a documentary last year, which is going to, was supposed to um, premiere like pretty much this summer, but we want to do it at a big, big camp with a, in a movie theater. So we'll okay. see when that comes out, but it's, it's, it's ready. I just watched it recently. Uh, you can check out the trailer on the gentle art of travel.com. Um, and then we do a lot of free stuff. Like we have a, we have a, like a big video site where we film a lot of classes at the camps and we put them up for free so people can watch, uh, on our YouTube channel. And we have, we're closing in on 1 million views on, uh, on that. And I think that's a great, service like good karma to provide for uh for the world you know for the, a lot of people can't make it to the camps for whatever reason so we we provide them with some free free classes online uh and then the mat surfing thing actually happened you know the couch surfing service for jujitsu and and now there's like 500 or something hosts around the world um who open their homes and their mats for travelers do podcasts. We have people blogging. We host blogs on the on the website where people blog about traveling and jujitsu, and and it's just literally a lot of things. You know, it's just like a, I don't know. It, it's it's its own. It's a big living organism. You know, I, I just feed it yeah. a little bit here and there with some things, but so it's a lot of things. We, we have a huge Facebook group with more than twenty thousand people. And it's only about traveling and jujitsu uh, members of BGJ Globetrotters and where people can post like, I'm going here and here. Does anyone live there or like have some tips for where I can train? And that's pretty much it. Like networking kind of tool. So it's, it's all the stuff I dreamed of having when I planned my own trip around the world. You know? Right. Yeah. That's really cool. And so it talked to me how jujitsu and jujitsu politics inspired you or to kind of create like certain values of, the community well i think this was more kind of uh we had more emphasis on this in the beginning because uh when i was traveling and training that was not really an issue but a lot of people had problems when they were traveling that they were not allowed to train in another academy for whatever reasons um or they could only travel and train in their own affiliations academies, which is just kind of weird things, you know, like yeah, uh, grownups telling other grownups where they can wrestle, you know, it's kind of strange. Um, but I, th I think time has passed. Uh, I think time has, has moved on from that. You know, I, don't, I don't really think it's an issue anymore, to be honest. Um, so we were kind of vocal about that in the beginning. I said, oh, we're going to do something that's against all this politics and like everybody should be French, you know, everybody should train with everyone. Um, but also realizing that the more you talk about that, that is actually, you know, the act of talking about being anti-political, that is by definition being political. So there was a point where it's like, hey, I spent right. way too much time talking about politics, not, <laughs> I spent way too much time talking about not talking about politics. And <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to completely ignore that in my life from now on, not spend a minute more of that, you know, and, um, and uh, for me, that kind of worked. You know, it's, it doesn't exist in my in my world. So, so I don't put any emphasis on it anymore. I think I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really hear about any, anyone who is being, um, who's not allowed to go somewhere. I don't know. It probably exists, but I stay out of it. It's it's just a waste of life. I think. And then I then I provide some tools for people to to make it easier anyway to to find a place to go if they want to travel or visit someone or. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I actually used to train at a, at a place that didn't allow for students to, to train at gyms that weren't affiliated with, with that gym, which I also found a little strange and a little childish. So 
It's not really strange. It's kind of obvious. Why. It's insecurity, but I mean, come on, we're grown-ups, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's what it is. I mean, like, I'm like, I'm not going to spend more time on that. Yeah. And so what's uh, at, at these camps that you, that you run, like what's typically like offered? Like what is like the daily schedule? Like what might a daily schedule look like? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the camps are kind of, each camp is different, but of course there's a lot of jujitsu. Um, so um, uh, usually we have just training from morning till evening, lots of classes that people can do as little or as much as they want. Some people train like every single class. Some people don't even train at the camps. They just come for the social aspect. Um, <laughs> so there's like, every, and everything in between, you know, like uh, I usually teach a few classes and then I do open mats every day and get a chance to talk to people and roll with as many as I can. Um, <clears throat> and then we do a lot of like workshops off the mats, like uh, the instructors and even some of the participants like teach uh, whatever they want. You know, we have everything from um, like sports psychology and like uh, weightlifting and dieting and oh, cool. jujitsu related, but also the stuff that that is not jujitsu related. Like uh, we even have have a we even have a stand up comedy workshop where some people <laughs> do like stand learn about that from a professional during the week and then some of them perform at the end of the camp at the party or something. That's been really cool. And I, myself, I've been teaching this workshop now for two years called create something, which is like kind of my approach to how to create things, um, uh, which has been a super interesting process for myself to do that one. Um, and we just have a ton of workshops and then a lot of social stuff. Like we do pub crawls and we organize dinners every night, usually in restaurants around town, if it's in a town or, um, some of the camps we have surf lessons in the morning and then the winter camp we have ski lessons snowboard lessons and um just all kinds of stuff going on in iceland we rent buses and do sightseeing together and um we just pretty much fill the schedule with which with as much as possible we can and then people can kind of pick and choose what what they want you know? um, yeah and then you know it's it's everything from big city camps where we just where we you know go out or sightseeing or whatever and then like we also rent a castle in italy where we have a pizza baking workshop and like all kinds of things happening that's really cool yeah we and, and i try to do competitions but not in jiu-jitsu um because it tends to get a little bit too serious in jiu-jitsu and i don't want to ruin the vibe of the, the camp so we always have kind of fun competitions at the camps that's i try to do that as, as much as possible like in iceland we do a, we have a workshop in traditional icelandic wrestling in glima and then um after the workshop, we have a competition, the tourist versus the Vikings. And uh, we have to wrestle wearing leather belts. Um, <laughs> in, in Poland next month, we're going to do, uh, we have the, uh, we're going to do um, uh, uh, Celtic backhold wrestling. So we have someone come and teach that. And then we do a competition in the grass, backhold competition, medals and everything. You know? And then in Caribbean camp, of course, we have, we have a surf competition. That's obvious. You know? Yeah. Because Biggest wave, biggest, biggest uh, wipeout, and best, <laughs> best trick and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I try to do something fun like that. For, just stuff that I want to do, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. I'll have to make it down to one of those, one of the camps, one of these days. I'm definitely gonna gonna go. Well, um, not these days. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. managed to pull off some camps. So, I mean. Some camps are happening and we did, we did two, of course, some had to be postponed or something, but we did two camps this, this summer already and it's been really good and safe and nobody got infected or anything. So that's good. Yeah. How long do the camps typically last? Like, is it like a week, like a few, like a few nights? Yeah, it's, it's usually a week. Okay. A few, a few of them are a little bit shorter. Usually um, some of them are like five days. It depends because some places have to rent, like it, it has to include food and accommodation and everything. And then if it's full week, then it becomes a little bit more expensive. And also let's say Americans don't have as much holiday of work as uh, as Europeans do. So the, the camps are like slightly shorter there. Um, so, but always five to seven days. Okay. Okay. Got it. And do you attend every one of your camps? Yes, of course I have to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to outsource that or franchise it. Never, ever. I mean, it would never work. So, mm -hmm. okay, awesome. And so, shifting gears here a little. Um, 
so when do you make the move to St. Bart's? Um, yeah, so I wrote that book about the trip and someone here read it and, and um, emailed me and um, invited me over to teach uh, a seminar. They have had no instructor here. So, um, and um, I just, I just liked it, you know, came back every year and, and eventually I, um, I, 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 I had kind of gotten rid of stuff at home. You know, I, I'd sold um, everything pretty much and tried to live as on as little as possible um, and be, just, just set myself up for flexibility in life, just in case some, something popped up, you know, I wouldn't be, want to be like chained into anything. Um, and, um, and I showed there and then I said like, oh, well, you know, one day I left and I, I, I told the guys, like, if you hear about an apartment or something, you tell me about it and I'll, maybe I'll consider it. It could be fun to try something different. Now I have nothing really holding me back except you know, my academy, of course, but I could get rid of that. And um, I went home and it only took five days. And then you're like, okay, we have a, an apartment for you if you want it. And you have to say yes right now. And um, it's it's like literally impossible to find a place to live here. It's like so difficult. Uh, so it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, literally. And my wife was pregnant with this, our second child. And um, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> we had to take a very quick decision to just change everything in our life. And I eventually just came down to, I don't want to not try. No, I don't want to sit. If, if we didn't do it, I would always be looking back and saying, what if we grew, what if our kids grew up in the Caribbean or, and what if we tried to live there just a little bit? No, what if we had done that? So I didn't want to, that was the fear of missing out kicking in. So I did not want to risk missing out on that. Um, so, um, so yeah, we just tried and I thought maybe it's going to be a long holiday for a few months or six months or something. And now we've been here for almost uh, four years and really like it. So it's a nice place. That's awesome. What's it been like to, to live down there? Um, well, when it works, it's, it's absolute paradise on earth. I think the temperature is so comfortable year round. It's, it's the same same weather like non-stop year round and and uh, it's just always nice you know it's just a really nice place super small there's zero crime like running into people all the friends all the time and i really like that like i, I really really like living here and um and um and then what if something goes wrong like let's say there's a the biggest hurricane history recorded in the caribbean hits us like bullseye then you're like, oh shit, I'm just on a rock in the middle of nowhere, like with nothing around us. Um, right. So when it doesn't work, it's kind of annoying. You know, let's say our, the apartment we used to live in, sometimes they just cut the water for like four or five days. Then you get really tired of, of living there, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen anywhere. You get tired of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just no water. Oh, we just cut it off because the waves are too high. So they have to, to cut the water production or something. I don't know. Now we have a better place with like a water tank, so we don't get that anymore. And you know, when things work, it's it's a fantastic place to live. So, and that's ninety nine percent of the time anyway. So, right, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love it. And uh, there's a small uh, small club here. It's like a nonprofit. Uh, there's there's like some government um, sports facilities that we use for free and. I just teach for free, you know, I just, I just volunteer to teach a few times a week and it's nice. I have a pretty good team at this point, like pretty good sparring, I'll say. So um, for, for 9,000 people, we get, we get two black belts and a few brown belts. So that's pretty good for, for 9,000 people, I think. Yeah, that's really, that's great. That's awesome. Cool. So getting to these last handful of questions here, I noticed mm -hmm. in your bio, um, on, the, on this one website that one of your interests that you list is natural disasters. Mm. Why, I guess, why the interest and what sparked that interest? <laughs> well, you know, I always loved watching, oh, that must be a really old one you found there. Anyway, I always loved watching like, as a, oh, because in Denmark, nothing can kill you. you no, know, like nothing, nature cannot <laughs> hurt you. It'll rain, but that's, that's it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, I just always had a fascination for then I always watched like um, 
Storm Chaser, Sun Discovery, and stuff. You know, like right. all this stuff. Like I really found it like ah, oh, it's so wild when when nature just you know takes over and you're so small. And uh, so I always thought, oh, I'm gonna be a storm chaser or something. You know, that would be cool. And then uh, then we got hit by the biggest hurricane in recorded history in 2017. And uh, overnight, I just gave up all my my dreams and hopes about being a storm chaser. It's like, well, took the job, quit it on the first day. <laughs> not for me. That was not, no fun. So no storm chasing for me. I'm done with natural disasters. It's out here over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go edit that bio somewhere. <laughs> no more. Yeah, that's funny. What is, uh, what is your overall philosophy around teaching jujitsu? You know, I, I don't feel like teaching jujitsu is my contribution to the sport in a sense. No, that's just something I do when I, because I was the one with the VHS tapes. Um, I think my contribution to the sport is different. I just, I do the camps. I bring a lot of good experiences for people and I make people happy for a few days here and there and take care of their holidays. And I think that's those, the, the, I contribute with different things. I don't feel like I'm, I identify as an instructor per se. Like it's not something that that's important for me. I I like to teach the guys here because uh, because it's because I want them to. I, I want to help them. You know, the the better training, the better they get, the better training I get, and and we're all happy and and uh, that's it. But. I'm not sure I really have like a philosophy about it. It's more like I, for me personally, I think I like to wrestle just for the sake of wrestling, you know, like gi or no gi or MMA or self-defense or anything. I, I just, I just like to be able to grapple in every scenario, you know? So that's it for me. I, I like wrestling. I like takedowns. I like, I think this should be 50, 50 stand up and on the ground and, I, I believe if there is a wall, you should not stop rolling. You know, it's kind of weird when people train for 10 years. And then if you put your hand on a wall, they like panic and say, like, oh, you can't do that. There's a wall. <laughs> it's, like, it's just a wall. You know, you should be able to still grapple if someone holds onto a wall or even holds onto, I don't know, railing or something. You know, yeah. or, if, or it's like you take off your your gi jacket and everybody panics like you're you know, it's like oh you can't do that now i can't now i can't wrestle anymore <laughs> but you spent 15 years doing it i was like so i like to be able to grapple in every situation just because i think it's fun you know and so i think if you you know if people roll into each other inspiring you just keep going you know it's, it's part of it's part of dealing with the environment when you when you it's no different than someone punching in the face you know you just got to deal with that and then then figure out how to wrestle, you know, it's like, that's MMA. Um, so that's what I like to do. So we, I, I put a lot of emphasis also on stand up and yeah, all this stuff. I, I don't like to train with like a very narrow um, rule set, you know, like I have total respect to anyone who does that and whatever, whatever people want to do. But I think some people like only train for self-defense. Some people only train for, I don't know, gi or no gi or this specific competition uh, rule set. I just like to wrestle. That's I just like to, you know, people, someone helped my, uh, grab my head and squeezed it. And I've enjoyed that ever since. So <laughs> I, it doesn't matter what they're wearing. I mean, maybe if they're naked, or, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should know how to deal with that as well. But yeah, so I think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And it sounds like for you, it's a little bit more about making people happy throughout their jujitsu journey than it is improving their jujitsu skill. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also like competition is a very important aspect of jujitsu and I really like to take people to competitions and, and try to give them that success experience. And I love coaching at, com at competitions, cornering people. I've done like, like literally thousands of matches I've been cornering, but, um, but yeah, it's literally just about creating good experiences and that can be with any rule set, you know, like, so I try to do that. We do, yeah. It's I always found it kind of weird that when you walk into a jiu-jitsu gym, everybody's lying down. It's kind of strange. You know? There's something wrong with that <laughs> because because it's it would be it would be like training kickboxing in a world where people just are only where everybody's just crawling and you don't know how to stand them up. You know? It's just the exact same thing. Yeah. And um, so I I think every round was just start standing and and uh, put a lot of emphasis on, on stand-up uh, resting as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I would 
I think I would agree. What was the feeling like for you the day you got your black belt? <sighs> Good question. That's many years ago. I almost don't remember. I don't think it felt like super special, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think every belt felt special except for the black belt because it's like, oh, now it's over. You know, now you finish the game. So unless you believe in the in the silly um, uh, black belt degrees, which is just absolute bullshit, worse than traditional martial arts, then then it's it, the belts are just like they're just a practical way of making divisions and competitions. Right? That's what they're for. Mm-hmm. So when you're black belt, then that's it. Then you're done with the divisions and now you can just compete like for real in the in the division that really counts. Um, you're no longer an amateur and that's it pretty much. And Okay, fine. There's, honestly, for me, there was not much, there's not much to it. Right. Kind of sense of accomplishment, but also, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not an accomplishment, but it was just a natural step on the way, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take, yeah. No, that makes sense. Do you have a favorite submission? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even remember what submission I worked on like last year. No, it's just like, I don't know. I just, you know, for me at this point, especially jujitsu is more like, just, it's just the perfect fitness. You know? mm-hmm. If I can't roll, it's hard to stay in shape. So, uh, so I don't really, I don't really put too much thought into it, to be honest. I, I'm way too excited about other aspects of it. Like, you know, let's say create a training camp that will be great experience for me, a great travel experience or meet some people or, you know, do something super fun. That I think that that's taking all my, my focus that, that the actual act of jujitsu is kind of, I don't even think about it. I, you know, I just, I just roll and it's nice and it's good, it's good workout and, yeah, we play some good music and I hang out with my friends and that's pretty much it, you know, but like, I don't really study jujitsu and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't claim to be like an expert in teaching it in any way right now or um, it's so secondary that it's just not like, it's not, not really on my mind. I enjoy every time I step on the mats, I enjoy rolling and training, but that's it, you know, it's just as I would enjoy swimming you know if i did that as a workout but i wouldn't necessarily be completely analyzing how i was swimming or like how i would teach it or uh, we just go and do it yeah you just go with the flow with that's it. just me yeah i mean that's just me i mean mm-hmm. I know it's, it can just can be many things you know and i've been through the whole i did this for 20 years and i also had like long periods of just competing like being all serious about that but for now, it's it's just a vehicle that makes other things happen that I want to do and also keeps me in shape. Right. When you can train, that is. Right. right. What does your daily routine look like? I think there is no routine at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you mean pandemic or non-pandemic? Uh, let's do pre-pandemic. I just sit here in my, where I'm sitting right now, which is in my hallway where there's room for my computer. And then I just do spreadsheets pretty much. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh, come on. That doesn't set. <laughs> no, that's what I do. That's the life in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're out, sipping, you're out on a beach sipping a pina colada. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't drink uh, like that. I, I just, no, I just do spreadsheets and like think about how to, you know, how to make some things happen, you know, create some more fun things. And, mm-hmm. but it's mostly just as much time as possible on my computer. Really, what I'm just working. I always work pretty hard. You know, it's like I used to have an office job, and I don't ever want an office job again. So I'm just like, just like normal, quote unquote, normal life is just always trying to catch up with me, and I'm I'm always just running from it. So <laughs> I just run as fast as I can. You know? <laughs> That's it. Just like nonstop running away from, from normal life. Um, and that involves a lot of work and effort. Right. So, so honestly, I just mostly do spreadsheets and emails in my hallway and I can look out the window and the weather is nice. And um, I train just three times a week jujitsu because I'm also getting older and I can't really train that much. And I also don't want to take so much time from it then. Yeah, spend as much time as possible with my kids and 
we go to the beach quite often. And I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't, in day-to-day life, I, I don't do much out of the ordinary, just, just kind of like, I, I just plan. If I don't, if I don't work to make things happen, nothing's going to happen for me. It's right. Like, I can't just sit back and wait for cool experiences to drop in my lap. I can't spend all day. Like you said, like sit on the beach and sit pina colada. There's no time for that. <laughs> I, I got to make some things happen, you know, and especially, especially now it's, it's really difficult in the pandemic to, you know, nobody wants to travel really. So, so I got to work even harder to make some things happen, you know, and, um, I always have a ton of projects and right now I'm working with some local brands and we make, we make some customs like clothes and stuff and um, just interesting things like that. Got it. Okay. And are you, are you an early riser or? Um, you like yeah, I have, I have two kids, man. Yeah. Okay. 6, <laughs> 6 a.m. Every single morning, no weekends. <laughs> I haven't had a weekend since, since I had an office job, like, not a single weekend where I did not work. So yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll take maybe I'll take one a weekend at one point. <laughs> yeah, whatever that may be. How, how old are your kids yeah. now? Four and seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty young. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't really afford to be lazy, you know, and do mm-hmm. nothing. I, I, I don't feel like I can take one day out of my life where I don't work to make something happen for myself. You know? so, I think I think I would waste it. I could for sure. I could just take take tomorrow and say okay, today just say I'm just gonna go to the beach all day, or even go surfing or something. But really, I I don't feel like I can do it. I I, I want to I want to always push 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 and make some things happen and and uh, that's what I do all day long, pretty much. Yeah, and then it's not it's not that I'm not enjoying every day. You know, right? Living living here, so I I really enjoy it and. But my definition of, of enjoying daily life is not doing nothing. It's doing a lot. You know? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Making, making the most of your time on, on yeah, and, and just yeah. And just creating something, like making something happen out of nothing. That's what I have to do all the time. Otherwise, nothing will happen. You know? Yeah. I could, I could easily take six months of doing nothing, just hang out on the beach, but I don't feel like I would have accomplished anything. Right. And so, as is, that's a matter of perspective, of course. Yeah, of course. And then, as is the name of the podcast, the Driving Force podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? Um, fear of missing out, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I just don't want to miss out on anything. And I, I, I usually just, if I get lazy, I just watch like uh, documentaries on the universe and time. And then you realize how incredibly <laughs> small and insignificant you are as, uh, as your, your existence is. And like, uh, it's like, oh, you're like the tiniest possible speck of like a little blip on the radar in billions of years. And like, whatever you do just doesn't really matter. You know, like, so the only thing that really matters is just do whatever you want. So, and there is a limited time to do that. So better hurry up, you know? yeah get get on get going yeah yeah for sure i could easily spend 10 years just doing nothing but i mean then uh, suddenly you're like oh well at least for me i just i just need something to, i need adventure all the time right and uh, that takes work you know, that takes a lot of work so yeah yeah awesome and then lastly here before we wrap up what advice or words of wisdom around living life to the fullest would you like to leave the people listening I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think it's up to me to tell people how, what they should do or how they should do it. I, I think it's too, too individual. So mm-hmm. no, I don't think I, I don't have an, an advice on that. I think it's too individual, whatever, whatever works for me might not, might not work for someone else. I'm right. sure if, if someone else were in my excess, exact situation, they had kind of a steady income and just ignoring pandemic that com- completely bombed my business. Um, they would probably just spend a lot of time just doing nothing on the beach or, you know, like just wait for the next camp and surf or whatever. But, um, but you know, we're all different. So, right. So I, I don't want to be anyone's life coach. That's the last thing I want to be. <laughs> Got it. Nightmare. 
<laughs> right, right. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to, to end this. Christian, right. thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Where, uh, where can people go to find you online and learn more about um, BJJ Globetrotters? Um, BJJGlobetrotters.com. Uh, that should be everything you need to know about uh, whatever BJJ Globetrotters is. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I got my last name. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, like, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the best place to find me. Awesome. Hmm? Cool. And you can also visit my website, chaserosa.com and follow me on Instagram at chaserosa4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks everyone who's listening and see you next time.